Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we wrap up our sermon series on You First, we've been to a couple of different places with the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 and 6, looking at this table of duties. We've talked about being self, not self-serving, but selfless in our attitudes, in our relationships and marriages, and in our families. And so today, the Apostle Paul addresses slaves and masters, and we're going to take those words and apply them to our workplaces. I suppose if you're a student here today, we could also apply them to the student-professor relationship this morning. You know what they say, right? That a picture is worth a thousand words. I don't think I would have too much trouble coming up with a thousand words about that picture. As I look at that picture, I wonder how, what led to a person having to go to those great extremes and stick their head in a big mud, I hope, puddle to fix something, right? And even if we've never had an experience quite like that, can we all relate to the fact that maybe at least at one time or another in our life, we've felt overworked and underappreciated? I know there's a lot of moms out there that probably feel that way too, right? You think about that for a minute. Even if you have the greatest boss, you have the job that you enjoy going to every day, you have coworkers that you love working with, and you're compensated fairly, don't we still have bad days at our jobs from time to time and in our lives? And as I thought about that, I wondered how many of those troubles that I have actually are more a me problem than somebody else's problem. You see, Jesus just talked about it, didn't he, in Matthew chapter 5? When we see life in terms of only ourselves, we can't see what other people think, why other people might make the decisions that they do. And so selflessness is certainly something that is valued, cherished, not just in families and in homes, but in our workplaces as well. And that's why the Apostle Paul addresses that in his final part of the table of duties in Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul tells us it works best when we say you first at our workplace as well. Today we're going to take the Apostle Paul's words and see that he's really giving us two reasons why you first can work and how to make it work. First he says, by remembering the Master. And then secondly, by reflecting Christ's love. In his words, the Apostle Paul first addresses slaves. We'll use the word employees today. He writes this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Let's start with the fact that the Apostle Paul writes to slaves. Maybe we find that a bit disturbing as you hear this language in the Bible. Here's the Apostle Paul talking about something that really has a poor connotation in our own minds, right? And you might know that, that slavery and the way slavery worked in the Roman Empire versus the slavery that we think about and know about 
that we'd have to call a stain in American history, they were vastly different things. And yet it still might bother us just a little bit that the Bible addresses this concept that people might be slaves. If you've ever studied any Roman history, you probably know that the Roman Empire was nearly overrun by those who were in the lower class, servants or slaves. And so it was a reality of the day in which Paul lived. And the Apostle Paul writing to slaves and masters doesn't mean that he's putting his stamp of approval on this situation in life and that he thinks it's a good thing. He's simply addressing Christian slaves and masters and telling them how to live their lives with that you-first attitude. Rather than talk about slaves and masters today, I thought it would do us well to put it into terms that we can understand, that concept of employees and employers or students and professors. And if you think in those terms, once again, the Apostle Paul writes to us a very specific word if we find ourselves in the situation of being an employee. He says, obey. Obey. It's the very same word that he used when he addressed children with their parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Last week we talked about the uniqueness of that Greek word that it literally means to hear under, to bend your ear. I suppose we would even say something like this, I'm all ears. And the Apostle Paul underlines how important that is in this workplace relationship if you want it to be you first by three times, three times mentioning the heart. A sincere heart, the Apostle Paul says we should have. We should work at it as if we are working from the heart for God. And then finally he says, serve wholeheartedly. Three times in those short verses, he talks about the involvement of our heart in following the will of those for whom we work. Maybe we could simply put it this way. For employees, for students, what what God expects, what God wants from us is to work as if the entire company, the entire education system depended on my best effort being put forward. That's the kind of work that God wants us to do as we serve our employees. Then he ties it all together with some great words of reminder to us. The whole source of wanting to do this, the whole reason for wanting to say you first in our workplace, these simple words, as you would Christ. We want to listen at work, we want to do the job at work just as if Jesus was the one we were serving instead of an earthly master. If only it were that easy, right? I think every single one of us, whether student or employee or whatever situation we found ourselves in life, have always faced this temptation, right? What can I do to get by? What's just enough to get the job done? Maybe so that I don't draw any attention to myself for being a bad employee, but maybe I won't go over and above and make sure I'm giving my full 100% every single day. Did you hear how the Apostle Paul addressed that? He called it eye service, working when the supervisor's eyes are on you. We probably all have experienced that, right? Doing what you're supposed to do, maybe not as hard as you would, and then, whoop, in comes our supervisor or our boss. And all of a sudden, the work picks up a little bit, right? He also used another word, he called it people-pleasing, to win their favor. 
Yes, there are times that employees are tempted to only make it look good for their employer rather than fully and completely giving of themselves. Then Paul gives us this reminder. It's not really an employer that we're serving. We're servants of a much higher master. We're servants of Christ. It's not people that we are going to work for, but it's as if we're going to work for Jesus himself. Can you imagine with me just for a moment how that would change your attitude at work if every day you thought, oh, that's right, my real master is Jesus. The one that I truly answer to is the one who loved me so much that he gave his life for me. Think about Jesus being in the room with you at your job. See, that's what Paul is addressing here. That's what he's talking about and that's the people to whom he's talking. I think it's important to remind ourselves that these words are written to Christian slaves, to Christian employees, and to Christian employers as well. People who know what Jesus has done to save them. You see, when we know that, when we know what Christ has done to save us, that's when every aspect of our lives becomes something we can do to bring honor and praise back to the one who loved us first. The Apostle Paul then says something that maybe caught your attention a little bit as we read through it. Because you know that God will reward you for whatever good you have done. Did you wonder just a little bit when you heard the Apostle Paul's words? You saw those words, reward us for good. Isn't, isn't that what Jesus has already done? Aren't we saved by grace? And the answer is yes. This is not a merit for salvation. That's already been taken care of by Jesus. It's not as if God is sitting up in heaven and taking notes of how good of a day you had at work and making sure that he makes good marks on your ledger or, or maybe a, a mark against you. No, what the Apostle Paul is saying is this. Our response to what God has already done for us, God's salvation for us already, that's what allows us to say you first at our jobs. We can give of ourselves because we know we're going to receive back something far greater than any sacrifice we make in this life. We're going to give, be given eternal life with our Master and Lord forever. It's only for this life that we serve under others and Christ. But forever, we will be with our Master in heaven. The Apostle Paul wrote about the very same thing in his letter to the Colossians in just a little bit different words when he wrote this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It goes back to that very first verse of this section of chapter 5, verse 21, that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's love for Jesus. It's the fact that we're serving our Savior that allows us to say, you first, even at our workplace. And maybe for an employee, maybe for a student, that's a simple way to ask this question. What, what's my responsibility today? What can I do to serve others at my workplace today? Have you seen this statement? I've seen it on bumper stickers over the years. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. And we know that Jesus was so much more than the son of Joseph who maybe picked up some carpentry skills along the way. But 
The phrase makes an important point, doesn't it? The point that it makes is simply this. We do have a greater master than anyone on this earth. And I'm not sure where you are on the spectrum of employment right now. I know we have some here today and some watching that, that, are, that are already finished, that are retired in their lives. We have some that are still doing the daily grind, going to work every single day. We have others that are between jobs or looking for a job. We have students that are probably in the midst of part-time jobs waiting for their full-time career to begin. It doesn't matter where you're at on that spectrum. You have one master, a master who is willing to suffer and die in your place, your Savior Jesus. It's not just about employees that God is concerned, obviously. He wants this relationship to work on both sides, not just employees serving as if they were serving Christ, but he has responsibilities for employers as well. Listen to these words in verse 9. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Yes, employers have a duty. They have a responsibility to those that work under them as well. What God wants of an employee, of employer is to be a servant leader, not to threaten those that work under him or her, not to make life miserable, not to rule the workplace as a reign of terror, but instead to foster at that workplace a place of joy, a place of support, a place of care and concern for all people. The Apostle Paul reminds the masters too, doesn't he? You have a master. You who supervise others are supervised as well. And then the great phrase, and there is no favoritism with God. You see, to God it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or a brand new employee. It doesn't matter what your job is in this life because to God all are exactly the same. Jesus' love is for all, no matter what position you find yourself in life. That's the equality that the Bible speaks of so clearly when it tells that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Aren't those amazing words? The Jesus who said, whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life, didn't connect any qualifiers to that word whoever, did he? He didn't say whoever serves in a higher capacity than others. No, whoever. And that includes you and me and all people. It's that love that Jesus has for you and me, the love that sent him to the cross to die for us, the love that let him break forth from a tomb to guarantee that our sins are gone forever. It's that love that allows us to work together as employers and employees to serve one another in that Christ-like love, to say to one another, you first. But what if? What if I have a boss that's not a Christian? What if I live and work in a place that simply doesn't foster the kind of things that God wants? What if my coworkers aren't Christian either? What am I supposed to do? Well, it certainly isn't a reason for us to abandon what God is asking us to do, is it? And as a matter of fact, it's not just not a reason to abandon it, it's all the more reason to seize the opportunity. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes it in Titus chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. 
Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Isn't that amazing to think about? That our opportunity to live as Jesus wants us to live at the workplace, even when there may be others who don't feel the same way, we may be surrounded by non-Christians, can make Jesus attractive, can point out the fact that, yes, my faith in Jesus matters, not just today, but forever. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, remember as an, as an employee that we really work for God. This really takes some pressure off of us, doesn't it? Because there's no decision to be made when you go to work every day. Should I put in a full day's work? Should I give my full effort or not when I'm serving Jesus? Because I know he brought me his best. Secondly, as an employer, we have opportunity to serve and love like Jesus. How can I make the life of my employees better? How can I serve them by providing and fostering a place that is full of love and support and caring? And finally, number three, the workplace works when both sides look to the best interests of the other. That idea of you first works when both are working together to improve and serve one another in Christ-like love. Well, we made it to the end. The end of three weeks of the Apostle Paul's instructions and thinking about this concept of you first. How do you feel? Have you tried it in your own life? Have you thought about things like, how, how can I do this and put this into practice in my own life? If you have, my guess is that you're very similar to me. You realize just how hard it really is. It may even seem at times like an impossible mission. And yet, when we fail, Jesus' love is right there. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross still covers all of our sins. And in that love of Jesus is our strength. It's our motivation. It's our opportunity to say, Now, Lord, in the strength that you give, let my number one mission be to serve you and others in that same love. That's what the love of Jesus does. It makes a mission that seems impossible possible because nothing is impossible with God. And most of all, Jesus worked. He came to this life to give you a reward that's waiting for you in heaven, your eternal life with him. And that makes whatever effort he asks us to put in in this life all worth it. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, amen.